My name's Mike and I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity. It's a joy to be spending time in God's Word with you this special weekend. Of course, this weekend is Mother's Day weekend and we are recognizing all those who are mothers who are still with us, those aspiring mothers who dream of motherhood, those who've experienced motherhood and left this life and gone on to be with God. We celebrate all of our mothers this weekend. And in fact, in particular, as we get started with our message today, I thought maybe I'd share with you a little bit of what I had planned for my mom. Now, my mom lives in Georgia, and I know she might appreciate this. This is a fish pedicure. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to have a fish pedicure before. I actually have on vacation once. It's as equally weird as it is helpful, because what happens is the little fish eat away all the dead skin on the bottom of your feet. Now, that sounds pretty awesome, right? So I thought I might treat my mom to one of these. You know, actually, I'm kidding. I think my mom would be as grossed out by this as you probably are right now. You know, I just got my mom a card and then a gift card to Olive Garden for Mother's Day. Anyway, I hope that you're able to spend some time with your mom. And if you're not able to do that, that you're able to connect in some way and that God continues to bless you through what he's given us in the blessing of motherhood. Now, you know, what I wanted to share with you in this little side project here of looking at fish pedicures is this idea of fish swarming together as a collective with one unified purpose. And as gross as it is, it's really powerfully effective for those who like to have their toes nibbled by fish. You've got a bunch of fish that are doing one thing all together and accomplishing one purpose. And in a way, what we're going to be talking about this week, in a funny way, is a similar purpose for the church, not to eat away dead skin from people's feet, but to bind together in unity in one unified mission and purpose. In fact, after Jesus rises from the dead, which we celebrate, of course, at Easter, and his initial group of disciples start to become apostles, people who will plant churches and share the good news of Jesus everywhere, this movement is led by some of those first followers of Jesus. And Peter, James, and John, of course, are sort of this tight-knit circle that follow Jesus closely and sort of his inner circle of uh, lieutenants that he's rising up, raising up into uh, leadership. Peter and John in particular began to work together to share the good news of Jesus. And as they do that, they find themselves looking, living, and loving more like Jesus just right along with the vision that God has for you and me right here at Trinity, they find themselves out serving people and giving of their time to people and sharing the message of Jesus in such a way that people are connected with him. And it sounds like, you know, that might be kind of stating the obvious, but we really do have to take a close look at what God's purpose is for our community is having a unified a spirit and mind about us to accomplish the good news of Jesus getting out into the world. So we find as we look in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 that Peter and John are sharing the good news of Jesus, acting like him, even going so far as to heal a man whose legs are lame and just don't work. In fact, the scripture records that the man has never been able to walk before. And so in the name of Jesus and by the power of Jesus, this man is healed. And of course, that begins to get the attention of the religious leaders of the day who take them into custody and begin to question them in the same way that they just did with Jesus just weeks before. And as such, Peter and John have a unique opportunity to share with everyone within earshot 
the good news of Jesus and the story of God at work in their lives and in our lives as well. In fact, take a look at the scripture with me in Acts chapter 4. This begins in verse 23, where it says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So the chief priests and elders held Peter and John for questioning just like they did Jesus and finding nothing legally to hold them with, they released them. And the first thing that Peter and John did was to go back to the collective, go back to that group of followers of Jesus who were bound together by the power of the Holy Spirit. The scripture says that when they heard that the chief priests had said to them all the things that they had said to them, they gathered together and their first impulse was to pray. So they raised their voices together in prayer to God, the scripture says. And as such, it gave them the opportunity to get back together with the fold and receive the strength of the Holy Spirit in a unified mind and purpose with other believers to then be able to go back out and share their witness again. Now, in the church, you may hear uh, a terminology for this dynamic as being gathered and scattered, gathered and scattered. So they're gathered together with their community in this one mind and purpose of spirit that they had to be able to be sent back out again to be witnesses for Jesus. And as they got back together with the community, here's what they prayed. Now pay attention to the community dynamic of this. Watch what it says. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And then Peter quotes the scriptures here. He says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Now, my hope is we're beginning to see a pattern here that just like when I got your attention in the beginning of the message with that kind of gross exercise of the fish nibbling away dead skin from somebody's feet, the religious leaders of the day were certainly paying attention to Peter and John as they went out and shared the good news of Jesus and then got back together with the collective of the church. There was this group of believers in the church that were binding together and praying. But then they're also aware, as the scripture brings to their attention, that there's a group of people that are gathered against God. So you begin to see this twofold dynamic, a group of people gathered together for God and in his purposes, and then a group of people gathered together against God and against his purposes. And there begins to be this dynamic of gathering and strength in numbers that the church recognized at one point along the way was purposeful for them. They began to see that as they gathered together in the spirit and as God gathered them and rebuilt their hearts and their language to be able to go out and share the good news of Jesus and be a witness for him, that there was also a group of people that were binding together, sort of a strength in numbers dynamic at play against the things of God. And so they knew that in some way, the world was trying to protect itself with this group of people who were binding together, or banding together against God, that this group of people was trying to protect itself from hearing the good news and letting it change their life. Now, here's what I mean. In one way, this group of people who bands together against the things of God really does try to put some sort of protection around their ability to be independent of the community. And, in, and as such, they try to bind together and form a community of people who are against the things of God. 
It's kind of like during Halloween, you'll see little kids put on muscle suits. Now, I've never seen a kid with big muscles, have you? Kids are usually either skinny or even if they're not skinny, they don't usually look cut. They don't have big muscles to share with the world like their superheroes have. And so they can buy a suit full of muscles and put those on and pretend to be strong. And as such, what that does is even when people are trying to bind together against the things of God, it's as though they're trying to separate themselves from the good news of Jesus, which is simply this, that Jesus died on the cross and that Jesus leads us into death so that he can lead us into a brand new life. And people who are binding together, banding together against the things of God are trying to resist this, this idea of dying to themselves and then being reborn again. And so what it does is it isolates and separates folks as they try to push back against God. And I don't know, my friend, if you find yourself in these shoes today where you're hearing this message and you're tempted to think, you know, I really don't want to hear that message that I am to die with Christ and then rise again to a new life. But there's hope for you. Even if you find yourself trying to associate with a group of people who have separated themselves from the things of God and resist them, pushing back against this notion of dying to oneself and then rising again, you're in good company. Many, 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 many people have done that through the last 2000 years since Jesus was walking here among us. You can see that there's a camaraderie in that in our culture, pushing back against the things of God. And yet on the other side of that, you also see this community that's receiving the things of God, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit and seeing their lives change as their lives end to themselves, as they die to themselves and are then reborn in Christ. Now, what we can do in the church is this. We can take a litmus test of how this dynamic of being a part of the community of God works. And there's a threefold way to do this litmus test. So let me ask you these questions. First of all, in your own life, is your generosity benefiting others? Is your generosity benefiting others? You know, just a couple of weeks ago, we started to bring to a close this partnership we had through Lent with Phil's friends, where we had the opportunity to take a special offering. And above and on top of our uh, regular offerings, we were asked to consider giving to the cause of Phil's friends. And as such, God raised up $7,000 for us to give to Phil's friends. That was amazing. In that moment, when you were presented with the opportunity to give generously, either to the general fund in your regular giving or above and beyond that to Phil's friends, did you take action on that in such a way that you were meaningfully able to see your offerings contributing to the work of God? Is your generosity benefiting someone else? Are you giving in such a way that someone else benefits? And then secondly, this, is your serving life, the life you live, serving God's purposes? Are you serving to benefit someone else through the service that God calls you to in the community of God's people? Are you serving at church or are you serving in the community outside of church? Do you find yourself giving your life over to the things of God in service? And then the last question is this, is your faith a witness to the work of Jesus? In other words, do you see your faith as a religion that is closely held to your chest, or do you see your faith as a faith that is active in the world and bearing out the image of Jesus? 
where people are attracted to Jesus through you. Now, this threefold witness of Christ and sort of a litmus, litmus test for us is a great indicator as to how we're receiving this call to join together in a unity of mind and spirit with others in one body and allow God to use us to change the world for the sake of Christ. Now look at where that comes from. This is from Ephesians chapter four, starting in the 11th verse. Scripture says this, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Notice that God is giving, he's being generous to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's our second part of the litmus test so that people could serve. That is a part of the body of Christ's purpose is to serve others in his name until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, this is where it gets really rich right here. The idea of being a witness to Jesus is literally becoming a follower of Jesus so much so that we realize the whole measure of the fullness of Christ in our own lives. And the way to do that, my friend, is in the community of God's people. Now, small group is one manifestation of that, but I want you to see beyond the small group. Small group is so key and so uh, determinative in the life of a Christ follower here at Trinity that we don't wanna undermine it. On the same token, we wanna see that small group is a great place to start. We start our discipleship process and grow as a follower of Jesus there, knowing that God has a vision for us to realize the fullness of Christ. And the way that happens is with other Christ followers. That is how our witness takes flight. So take a look at this idea that we are called to collaborate together in the Holy Spirit so that we can grow in generosity. When we're presented with the idea of giving, are we taking an assessment of our giving in that moment and asking ourselves in the Spirit, along with our brothers and sisters in Christ, how can I grow as a generous giver? If I'm giving 1%, can I grow to 2% today? If I'm giving two, can I grow to three? Am I predetermining how God has called me to generosity and then following him in growing in that? Likewise, are we growing in service? If we've not begun to serve at church, where can we begin to serve? Could we serve communion? Could we serve as an usher or a greeter? Could we serve as someone that serves the children down in Kid Street or down the hallway in Kid Street, depending on where your site's Kid Street meets. And likewise, along with that, are we growing as a witness for Christ being used by him in the way we live our average everyday lives? My friend, these three litmus tests or these three aspects of this litmus test really do bring to light the idea that God has called us to grow and the way he's called us to grow in faith together is in community. Now take a look at this from the scripture. This is back to Ephesians chapter four and the story of Peter and John in the community. All the believers were one in heart and mind, the scripture says. They had this unity of heart and mind as a part of their community experience over and against what folks were experiencing as they banded together against God. And I hope you see the difference there. The community of the heart and mind that is shared in the church is a strengthening community. It's a gathering community for the purpose of sending the members of that community out to be a witness, 
out to serve, and out to be generous. The scripture goes on and says, no one in the church there claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. They were generous. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Their witness began to grow. And even though the second and the third, the second and the third of these are switched, look at what it says thirdly, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that, that in that moment, there were no needy persons among them. In other words, they were serving folks, even to the extent of where folks didn't have needs for food, clothing, or shelter anymore. And our hope is this, that we're able to see that the purpose for God's community is a unified heart and mind that animates the church to action, to being more generous, to serving more and growing in that, and to becoming more and more one who looks, lives, and loves more like Jesus together. And that is really the key for today. A group of people that you are called to, along with you, to die in your current life and to be reborn again into a new abundant life. But not just you, my friend, you along with those brothers and sisters that God has placed you with here on this earth for this time. And as such, the question becomes this, just like the first church who felt the powerful a movement of God's grace in their life is a community. And with that original language literally is an adjective that means abundantly the grace of God was flowing in and through them. How powerfully is God's grace at work in your life? Do you have a little bit of God's grace working in your life? Do you have a little bit of Jesus at work in your life? Or is the full power of God's grace released on your life in as far as you are a part of a community of other people who experience God's grace? That, along with the litmus test we looked at today, is a great opportunity for us to assess where we are spiritually in the community and continue to grow together. Now, the end result of that is this. We become more and more like Jesus, like Peter and like John. Now, both Peter and John spent the rest of their lives being generous to people in the name of Jesus, serving people in the name of Christ, and becoming more and more a follower and a witness for him. And as such, you know, Peter goes to his execution as a follower of Jesus. John lives a great long life and writes scripture and serves as a witness until his dying breath. And as such, they grow and they grow and they grow until that last day. But they are always connected to the community where there is a unified mind and spirit and heart about them. Look at what the scripture says in Proverbs 18 and 24. Friends come and friends go, but a true friend, a friend in the spirit, also having died with Christ, having risen again with him in baptism, that kind of friend sticks by you like family, closer than a brother, another translation says. This is the unity of heart and mind that God has called you to in the community of Christ. My friend, I don't know where you are today in your spiritual walk, but know that along with this community of brothers and sisters in the faith that God has called you to, the purpose of God's people, the purpose for God's people has always been the same. 
And it's always been the same for you. And that is to participate in the light of the world shining into dark places. That was the original intent of the family of Israel, bringing the light of God's grace to the world. And now through Jesus, we can see that entire picture, that story that God has painted for us is exactly the same. He intends to use your life in community with others with whom you share one heart and mind in order to gather you and scatter you with this great message. Christ has died for you. Therefore, you will die with him and therefore you will rise in this life with him. Your life is a resurrected life. It is an Easter life. It is animated by the Holy Spirit and by God's work in the community around you. So be encouraged on this day and take that litmus test of your life and see where God might grow you as a follower of Jesus. Would you bow your head and pray with me right here, right now? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to spend a moment in the scripture with my friend here. Thank you that we have the friendship of the Holy Spirit to share between us, that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and that that dynamic is not just meant for two, but for an entire body of people, the body of Christ. God, as we follow you and as we look to you for all good things, for you are our God, we ask that you would help us to take an assessment of our lives in Christ and to follow him articulately. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit that we might become more generous on purpose, that we might serve more purposefully, and that we might in all, in the end, be an amazing witness for Jesus, one who is used by God to point people to Christ himself. God, we look to you for these good things, and in all good things, the blessings of God, we look to you for, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen.